Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, now. Hunt Palmer. Hunt Palmer on 1045 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live, Live from the Mercedes Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is Hunt Palmer. Welcome in, Hunt Palmer coming to you from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studio downtown in the capital city on this Friday. Hope yours is going great. Casey Gaines and Taylor Sharp as a single man for the final time back there on the ones and twos. Glad you're spending some time with us. LSU and Arkansas underway out at the box. Hogs on top of LSU one to nothing in the bottom of the fourth inning. Keep you updated on that as we move forward. But we're not going to talk a lot of baseball today because, well, if you care about baseball, you're probably watching or listening to that. So a lot of basketball, some Sweet 16 reaction from last night and preview of uh, today's action. David Grubb's going to come on and talk Pels at 1.30 as they got a win last night. Continue to hang around, hang around. I uh, got some thoughts on the SEC baseball weekend that is to come here at 2 o'clock. Michael Cobble's going to join us from on site with LSU women's basketball at 2.15 to give us a scene setter as Kim Mulkey's team will take the floor at 4 o'clock central time. I got some thoughts on the Elite Eight games that will come tomorrow that are already set. And, of course, we will play some Take It or Leave It. Our Friday show is brought to you by Corks, Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Swing on by for late lunch or make some plans to stop by there this weekend. Great stuff right there, government between Foster and Jefferson. We'll start with last night. Um, look, last weekend, the first weekend of the tournament, is, is chaos. I mean, it's absolute chaos. You got 100 games going on at one time. You got shots falling, buzzer beaters happening, upsets. It's, it's chaos. This weekend when done right, is is excellence. And, and certainly next weekend is the same way. These are the teams that are playing the best basketball, and you've got high-level, high-level stuff going on. And that last night was just a treat to watch. It was an absolute treat. I hunkered down at, at 5.30 and, and watched all every dribble through the end. And it was so much fun to watch. Michigan State and Kansas State got things started with an OT thriller um, up there in MSG. It was just phenomenal basketball the teams combined to shoot 49 percent from three they were 24 of 49 between the two of them um I thought late regulation trailing that Michigan State was able to get great looks especially at threes um Joey Hauser had two really open looks that he didn't knock down then you saw Akins bury a big one for him and they clawed their way back into the game and Marquise Noel, who I talked about yesterday on the show, um, he was just incredible. I, I mean, he throws in a banked three, which is a fluke, but it was just a, a highlight reel play. He's dishing out 20 dimes. The one mistake I thought he made was pulling up from 35 feet for three with 25 seconds left up two points. That was a terrible shot, and it didn't go in. It would have been an incredible highlight if he makes it. Vermont made one like that. Um, back 10, 15 years ago, we're like, what kind of show? Oh, wow. And you saw another one last night in out in Vegas. But 
shooting a 35-footer up two with 25 seconds to go was questionable, but Michigan State got the ball down two, 15 seconds to go. And I, I got a lot of this during the Will Wade era that whenever a guy goes one-on-one and, and, and tries to score at the rim for the last shot, they're like, oh, that's just street ball. That's not a play. No, that was a play. Izzo ran a high ball screen. He knew Kansas State was going to switch it. They did. And he got the matchup he wanted on Walker. So they right when they switched that ball screen, you saw all four other guys other than Walker sink to the corner. And they just said, okay, we got the matchup we want. We got the, the guy we want to have the basketball. It's in his hands. Let's go. And he attacked, got to the rim, and finished. And uh, that I thought that was great coaching, great execution by Michigan State. Um, and then in overtime, the two that Ishmael Maroud hits on the inbounds pass was just such a clutch shot. It, it, that's the exact shot you want them to shoot if you're Michigan State. And he ends up knocking it down. And that, that was massive. And then Michigan State... Unable to get a look at the buzzer. It gets stripped, and, and Kansas State wins an absolute thriller. Saw Mateen Cleaves there uh, in in the uh, in the crowd. I mean, it was just high-level basketball, drama, execution. Everything was awesome, and that was just the start of it. Now, over on the other channel at that point, UConn just put on a clinic. I mean, I, I said earlier this week that UConn um, I thought was the best team going, and that was a little bit of proof of it last night. It was just never a game. At halftime, it was 46-29. to 29. The Hogs had absolutely no answer for Sonogo, which I did not think they would. UConn shot 57% from the floor and 45% from three. And so that's not really what I'm talking about as far as the game goes. As far as LSU goes, if you're looking at that Arkansas team, now I think it's decision time for those young Hogs. Nick Smith, everybody anticipates he's a lottery pick. Didn't do much in his first year because of injury in, in Fayetteville and didn't have a great tournament. What's his decision like? Anthony Black, does he come back and work on his shooting ability? He's got all that you want, an NBA point guard, the size, quickness, decision-making, handling skills. He just doesn't shoot it very well. And that's something you can certainly work on in the league and worth taking a flyer on, in my opinion. Well, it's not even a flyer. We're taking a high draft pick on. But does he want to come back to Fayetteville and work on his jump shot? Jordan Walsh didn't shoot it very well, but he's got elite length, athleticism, and he's going to be a really good defender in the NBA. Do those three freshmen decide to go? What does Ricky Collins decide to do? Um, he's an older player, but he's got another year of eligibility. I mean, these guys could run it back if they want to, but I think you're going to see some defections from that hog team. I certainly hope you will see some defections from that hog team because uh, those are some talented young players, so we'll see what the decision uh, waits for them. Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. I mean, what have we been saying about Tennessee for three months? The offense is terrifying because it can just break down. And last night... With a lead, they go six minutes without a point in a tournament game. And exactly what I said yesterday, if they do that, Florida Atlantic is capable of burying a couple of threes and going on a run. Well, they hit three, and there's a 9-0, and bang. Florida Atlantic's got a lead and a ton of confidence, and Tennessee just never recovered. Florida Atlantic had 22 points in the first half. They scored 40 in the second half on that Tennessee defense because they got some confidence going. And Tennessee's offense just stunk. 33% from the floor. That's not going to win games. I mean, they stifled Duke and allowed themselves to win a game where Duke scores 52 points. But Florida Atlantic kind of got going, and Tennessee doesn't have an answer for that. And they just, it, it was so predictable how their season was going to end. It was going to end at whatever point in the tournament, their offense just broke down. It wasn't going to be a situation where somebody cracked the code on their defense and scored 80. That was never going to happen. Florida Atlantic scored 62 points. It's not like they put a, I mean, it was that great, but Tennessee scored 55 
on a team that doesn't even play that good a defense. That was always going to be the issue for the Vols, and it, it finally cost them the year last night. And then I called it the main course yesterday. That game in, in Las Vegas, the nightcap, was sensational. Two of the best programs in the sport, the the kings of the West Coast at this point, just it was a display in Vegas last night. 79-76 of the final for Gonzaga. I hope Gonzaga has got some room in the rafters somewhere in their rental, in the kennel, their arena, because Drew Timmy's number is going up there with a the quickness, not just because of last night, because of what he's done over his career there. But, I mean, good grief. 16 of 24, made his only three, 36 points and 13 rebounds. If Mick Crony can't figure out a way to stop you, you're good. And Drew Timmy is real good. Just fundamentals, discipline, footwork. It's almost annoying if you're on the other team trying to defend it because at least you'd be demoralized if some guy, if like Durant's pulling up from 30 feet at 6'11 and shooting threes or some high-flying dunking guy you can't stop. This is just annoying because it looks stoppable, but it hasn't been for four years. And he was just so good. And Jaime Jaquez matched him. 29 points and 11 assists. 11 rebounds for him. Look, it was it was always going to be, to me, the UCLA defense against the Gonzaga offense. Could Gonzaga's offense overcome that great defense? In fact, that wasn't the story in the first half because it was UCLA's offense that was incredible. They built a 13-point league. If I'm Mark Few, and I'm not Mark Few because he's awesome at coaching basketball and I'm not, but if I'm Mark Few, I'm going into the locker room halftime going, boys, you give up 46 more points in the second half, we're going home. So you better strap in and play some defense. And they did. They only gave up 30 in the second half, and their offense is, is prolific enough that got them back in the game. Now, Timmy, for as great as he was, misses the two free throws up two with 25 seconds left. And UCLA comes down, and Hawkes makes the pass off to Bailey, and he hits the three, wide open three from the elbow. And UCLA's got the lead with 12 seconds to go. And then Gonzaga comes down, and they said they work on this, and they said he did the same thing in a game against St. Mary's. And But Julian Strother does not need to be shooting literally from the logo in that spot. I, I thought that was a terrible shot. But he canned it. I mean, usually you say we pulled up from the logo. He literally had a foot on the logo when he let, let, let go of that shot. Now, that's a big logo. The tournament's got a bigger logo than, than some. But you got to put on the logo. You don't need to be shooting that in that spot down one. But he splashed it, and that's part of the lore, and that's part of the madness, and that's part of the awesomeness that was last night. Casey, do you have my picks available from yesterday? You do? Let's go ahead and see how those went uh, as we just went through. So let's, uh, let's run the first pick back. I'm going to take Kansas State and the two points in this game. Kansas State wins outright. One for one for Hunt on the Sweet 16. I think UConn's the best team going right now. I'm looking at UConn minus four. I'll take the Huskies. Two for two. Huskies win by 23. Two for two in the Sweet Sting. 16, pick number three. I'm not 100% sure Florida Atlantic's going to win this game, but I like them catching the five points. I'm taking the Owls, FAU, and the five points. I like that play a lot. They went out right by seven. Three for three in the Sweet 16. Give me pick number four. UCLA is a one-and-a-half point favorite. I will take Gonzaga in this game. I think they're plenty good enough to get this done. 
Four for four, cash money. So what are we going to do in the next segment? Well, obviously, we're going to pick the four games tonight against the spread. You can get rich. I'm a college basketball savant. We're probably going to go one and three tonight. But hey, we'll do it in the next segment. It's the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. LWCC is Louisiana loyal, elevating and celebrating champions of Louisiana. And in March, we're telling you about Trey Godfrey. Trey has dedicated his career to bettering his city of Baton Rouge, our city of Baton Rouge. He's currently the senior VP of policy for the Baton Rouge Area Chamber. And in his work there, he oversees education policy. What's more important than helping educate our young people? And Trey is doing that every single day. That's why he's a champion of Louisiana. If you know somebody like Trey who's doing great work in our city, in our state, we want to tell their story. So go to lwcc.com slash champions, lwcc.com slash champions, and nominate them to be a champion for Louisiana. Maybe it's a nonprofit. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a person. We want to tell their story. Trey Godfrey is March's champion of Louisiana. LWCC is Louisiana loyal. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Our Friday show is brought to you by Corks Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. It's a Lenten Friday if you're looking for a late lunch or maybe picking up dinner on the way home. Corks is always an awesome option. They're on Government Street between Foster and Jefferson. The menu's fantastic. If you're sitting at a desk right now listening or by your phone, go to CorksFishAndShrimp.com and check out their menu. You may be saying, I'm from South Louisiana. I'm not going through a drive through joint for fried seafood. Just go once. This is not your typical fast food chain. It is quick service. It is delicious. How many fast food joints serving you up fried green beans with homemade ranch? How about their famous baked potato topped with crawfish etouffee and fried shrimp? Phenomenal. The fish is clean. Sometimes catfish can be fishy and muddy, not over there at Corks. It is crispy and clean. It's Gulf shrimp. They're delicious, perfectly seasoned. And the change they made a couple of weeks ago that I'm a big fan of, they don't have the crinkle-cut fries anymore. They're going with the crispy shoestring fries, which were fantastic last week when I had them for lunch. It's Corks Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp from the folks that brought you Kuyan's Barbecue. Get on by there on Government Street. You can drive through or eat in their newly renovated dining room. It is a new restaurant here in Baton Rouge, and it is fantastic. Corks fishandshrimp.com bringing you our Friday shows. All right, let's talk Sweet 16 today. We've got uh, the second day of Sweet 16 action. Louisville and Kansas City, not quite Vegas and NYC. Not that it matters to the viewer at home, but if you're a fan that's going, man, MSG or out there in Vegas, like that's a trip. Telling me I'm headed to Kansas City. I'm like, well, I realize that I'm talking about somebody whose favorite sport goes to Omaha every year. That's not exactly a bustling metropolis, but hey. Uh, it's Louisville and Kansas City tonight. Alabama and San Diego State will be the first game on TBS. They'll crank up at 5.30 our time. Um, look, Brandon Miller no-showed in last weekend's games. He just he didn't score in the first one. He wasn't great in the second one. And you figure that's not going to last forever. But you got to wonder a little bit, like, what, where's his head? You've had all that's going on with him, and you've got the NBA draft coming up where he's going to be a, a rich man. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I would imagine he'll shake out of it. That's my guess. This is going to be a game that's going to be determined, I think, by pace. Bama has multiple ways to beat you. They're good on defense. They can play fast. They can play a low-scoring game. They can do it kind of either way. If San Diego, San Diego State's going to win this game, they're going to have to slow it down. 
Bama's sixth in the country in possessions per game. They play fast. They go. They shoot threes. They're 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 ready to roll. San Diego State is 260th in the country in possessions per game. They want to play slow. San Diego State is also the number four three-point defense in college basketball. Now, that's a stat that I struggle with a little bit. When the sample size is this big, you can lean on it more than you could in you know early January because three-point shots are kind of... Guys can miss open threes a lot, and that doesn't mean you're a great defensive team. It just means that some guys miss some shots on you. I guess over the course of 35 games, if you're the fourth best in the country at it, maybe I'll lean on it a little bit, but that's going to be tested tonight. Because Bama's going to be letting them fly for sure. Now, in two of Alabama's losses, A&M and Tennessee held them to 61 and 68, respectively. It can be done. It's just not generally done. And Bama usually finds a way. Uh, I think Alabama is too much in this game. The line is 7.5. I will lay the 7.5 with Alabama. And uh, I think they win. I think they cover. I think they move on. But I will be pulling very, very hard for my... San Diego State. Aztecs? Yeah, Aztecs. You can tell. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'll be pulling for them hard at 5.30 tonight. 6.15 on CBS will be Miami and Houston from Kansas City. Houston's in a a 7.5-point favorite. Look, uh, Miami is is very offensive, and they're balanced in their offense. Four guys average 13 points per game for them. Isaiah Wong is the guy that they run most of their stuff through. He's the ACC Player of the Year. He scored 27 on Indiana. He's fantastic. But they've got other guys that can hurt you. And that's why they're number nine in the country in offensive efficiency. They're great offensively. Uh, Houston, you might have heard, is number one in the country in defensive efficiency. That's even better than Tennessee at this point. Now, Tennessee's schedule probably a little bit more challenging. But look, Houston is is incredible on defense. So can Miami muster up enough offense against this great defense? That's going to be the question. Uh, Miami's defensive efficiency is the worst left in the field. So I guess that's 24 teams. It would be 16 and 8. So, um, yeah, I I don't love that, quite frankly. I want you to play some defense. So they're going to have to do that. Um, Houston ought to own them on the glass. Houston's a great rebounding team, and Miami is guard-heavy and doesn't rebound it awesome. I just There's too many stats that lead me towards, towards Houston here and laying the points. Um, I, I can certainly see... Wong going for 28 points and and the rest of the gang knocking down some threes and and then winning the game. I'm not I'm not I'm not a slam dunk on that as I am Alabama over San Diego State. But if push came to shove, I'm gonna take Miami. I'm gonna lay the seven and a half points here in Kansas City. Um, TBS eight o'clock tip off Princeton and Creighton from Louisville. Um, Princeton just punked Missouri last week. Probably not a game that everybody watched because it's Princeton and it's Missouri and. You know, it's it wasn't really that competitive, quite frankly. It wasn't like it was a buzzer beat or anything. They just beat the brakes off Missouri. And if you were listening to Jimmy's show a little bit earlier, he was talking about this is not your standard, uh, you know, Ivy League 15 seed team. They can rebound. They can play a little bit. And I believe that too. Um, Creighton is top 25 in the country in adjusted defensive and offensive efficiency by Ken Palm, which is great. That's a very very balanced team. And they're playing great at this point. They're a sixth seed, but you know they're probably a little bit better than that. Uh, they lost their way, had some injuries, and now they're whole and they're playing a lot better. I love Brian Nimhard. He scored 30 points on Baylor uh, last weekend, and he's he's fantastic. Um, I I think Creighton is Final Four good. Uh, I don't think Princeton is Final Four good. Usually, when a team that's you know, 13, 14, 15 that gets to this point, 
They kind of turn into a pumpkin, Cinderella style. I'm looking for that tonight. Uh, I think Princeton is good, but Creighton's much better. And so nine and a half is the number. I'm going to take Creighton and lay the nine and a half as well. That's that's three straight favorites, which is not the you know the wisest thing to do, I wouldn't think. But I just I kind of I can see some of these games getting a little bit out of hand. At least one of those three is gonna end up being 20 points, and that'll be that'll be a cover there. It may very well be Creighton against Princeton because I just don't think Princeton has the dudes to match up with Creighton. And the last one on CBS 8:45 tip is uh, kind of the the best matchup maybe of the of the lot. Xavier's a three seed. Texas is a two seed. They'll be playing in Kansas City. Texas, a four and a half point favorite in this one. Um, Xavier has five guys who average double figures. That's a heck of a stat. I like that a lot. Um, on the Texas side of things, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen have both scored over 2,000 points in their career. For perspective on that, LSU style, only Pete Maravich and Rudy Macklin have scored 2,000 points in LSU history. Now, I realize that all records are a little bit compromised because of COVID, but scoring 2,000 points is a big deal, and it means you're seasoned and you can score. That's just that's what that means. you got 2,000 points. Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen have both done that. Plus, Dylan DeSue at Texas, he was the Big 12 tournament MVP. Uh, he had the average 22-10 and 10 last weekend. So both of these teams, Xavier with five guys who's averaging double figures, and then Texas with two 2,000-point scores, plus the Big 12 tournament player of the, of the um of the week, and then last week did a great job in Dessou. There's a lot of dudes that can that can play on this floor, and this should be a really high-level game. I think this one matches up with what we saw Gonzaga-UCLA last night, Kansas State-Michigan State last night. That level of play we should see from Texas and Xavier tonight. Um, I'm going to take the points in this game. I think this is going to be a nail-biter. I think this is going to be a tight game. I think it's going to come down to execution in the last three minutes of the ball game. Uh, both these guys are really good coaches, it looks like. I mean, Sean Miller's a proven commodity. We'll see. Texas is going to take that interim tag off very shortly. I think, I said this last week, I'm like, don't, just because a guy inherits a team that's really good and does a good job, that doesn't mean you're a fit to run the entire program. I have no idea if he can recruit or not. I have no idea if he can run a program or not. Doing a pretty good job coaching a really good team. I'm not saying it's a terrible idea. I just think you ought to do your due diligence and go on a big-time search because you're Texas. And you should do that. But obviously, if the Longhorns win today, get to the Elite Eight, that case gets stronger and stronger to rip that interim tag right on off. But uh, I will take Xavier. I will take the four and a half points. Texas may win it. I think it'll be very, very close. So my picks again, Bama laying the seven and a half against San Diego State. Miami, uh, sorry, Houston laying seven and a half against Miami. Creighton laying nine and a half against Princeton. I will take the points with Xavier. 4-0 last night. Try to go 4-0 again tonight. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Puts your cash on it. FanDuel Sportsbook. You can do it. Uh, quick update. I'm going to try to get an update here from the box. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's loading, so I'm not – there it is. Top six, uh, Arkansas won, LSU nothing. Tigers really struggling to put anything together offensively. So if you want to listen to that game, you can find it on our sister station, Eagle 98.1. It's Chris Blair and Doug Thompson on the call over there. Incidentally, you uh, haven't heard this yet, LSU and Arkansas are going to play two tomorrow. Play one at 1 o'clock. They'll play the other one at 6.30 tomorrow night from the box. Both games going to be nine innings. So just trying to dodge rain anywhere they can this weekend. Not ideal, but the crowd looks pretty good at the box today. So we'll keep you updated on that as we move forward. Matt's show is going to kind of turn into a de facto uh, post-game show tonight over uh, today on AFR. He'll have, uh, have Terry on, and I'm sure they'll have a lot to talk about. I want to remind you, next Thursday, uh, I'm going to be out at Rally Cap. Uh, Rally Cap Brewing, it's on uh, Se- just off Segan, uh, right on Pennywood right there. We're going to be out there from 3.30 to 5.30. It's Major League Baseball opening day. I'll be watching my Cubbies. They're going to be cooking up some brats over there. Going to have some delicious Rally Cap beers on hand. Come on out. We want to see you all at 3.30 to 5.30 next week. It'll also be kind of tailgating for uh, Skeens and Dolander on a Thursday night at the box when Tennessee comes to town. So very much looking forward to being out at Rally Cap 3.30 to 5.30 next Thursday. Come on out and see us over at Rally Cap. All right, uh, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, David Grubb's going to join us. He of the Hard in the Paint podcast. Pelicans got a win last night. They needed it. They're hanging around. We'll get uh, David's thoughts on all that next on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. One Bath and Closets. OneBathandClosets.com is the website. How much better would your home life be if you got a brand new closet? Maybe you got shoes everywhere, suitcases shoved in there, can't find anything. Let One Bath and Closets come in and customize a closet for you. They start with a questionnaire. Sometimes that means man of the house may have to step out while the lady admits how many shoes she has. That's okay. David Duvall and his team have heard it all. Uh, they start with the personalized questionnaire, see what you have, what do you need space-wise, and they put together a solution for you. If you tell them the Hunt Palmer Show sent you to One Bath and Closets, they're not going to charge you to rip out your current closet. They're not going to charge you the installation price of the new one, just the cost of the unit over there at One Bath and Closets. Customize a closet today, and they can help you with the bathroom as well. Maybe it's a full-scale renovation. They can do that. It's just one contractor, one call. He handles it all. Or maybe just a tub-to-shower conversion, something simple. It's not very time-consuming. or It's very cost-effective. It could change the way your bathroom looks and the way it functions. OneBathAndClosets.com is the website. Head over there to OneBathAndClosets.com. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Pels had to have it last night, and they got it. Charlotte's not very good, but the Pelicans defended their home floor. A 115-96 win. To talk about it, David Grubb, Hard in the Paint podcast, talking all things New Orleans with our guy, David Grubb. David, how are you on this Friday? I'm doing well. Good. Uh, B.I., uh, triple-double last night. Pels had to have it. We'll talk about it in a second, but um, how gut-wrenching do you think for that team was that blown lead in Houston over, over last week? I mean, that that was a huge loss. Yeah. You're talking about them being the difference between them being a game under 500 and 500 right now. And going into this last stretch of games, which is the most difficult uh, nine games that you're going to see at any part of the season, um, it, it's just a really tall task for them to, to not end up with a losing record this year. And if they don't, that's five straight losing seasons, which would be extending the franchise's longest streak. 
It just feels like that one may come back to bite him. As crowded as everything is, being on the road with the lead against Houston and having that thing slip away with Jabari Smith there at the buzzer, it just feels like it's going to matter. But they did respond. Got a win last night, B.I., with the, the triple-double. Um, anything more than just holding serve last night? I mean, you, you, you can't help but be impressed you know, by B.I.'s efficiency shooting the ball the last couple of games. It's been very good. Um, but other than that, no, I don't think it, it's been particularly impressive um, to watch them beat three bad teams. And when you look at particularly at the Spurs and the Hornets, you know, the Spurs didn't have an NBA team on the floor. And they were in that game, you know, not, not from the outset, it was over. By the end of the first quarter, that game was done. And then last night, Charlotte finished the game with seven players. Yeah. You know, their entire backcourt went to the locker room. You lost Kelly Oubre. They lost Dennis Smith Jr. They lost Terry Rozier. That's a lot of points. And they were in it for three quarters. They were right there, you know, down by four points and shooting above 50% from the floor. So defensively, I think there's still things you have to be concerned about. And they beat three of the worst teams in the NBA at home. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what they should have done, you know, over the course of this season for the, for the most part, but they haven't. And now they've got nine games, eight of them against winning teams, four of those coming up on the road. And we still haven't seen them beat a winning team on the road since October 30th. Oh, I didn't know that stat. I think you've given me that before, but I, I didn't know we were still extending to that. That's uh, that's a little discouraging as you head out on the road, uh, which the Pels will do here, here now. Um, like I, one of the um, talking points over here on various shows on the station has been that the Pelicans maybe have not y- used Jonas Valanciunas enough on the offensive end of the floor. Do you share that contention? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we have to keep it in perspective here. I don't think Jonas's usage is the difference between this team being meeting expectations and not, but they have failed to utilize him um, in situations where it's been advantageous. If Jonas Valanciunas is on the floor, you have to take advantage of his offense because he is not a great defender. So if you're not getting points from him, you know he's giving up points on the other end, then it doesn't make sense to have him on the floor. But he's all the Pelicans have in the front court. If they don't have him in the post, there's no balance. That's correct, yeah. And so as now they head out to play the Clippers on Saturday, Portland, Golden State, and Denver. Um, What's... What's the goal here over those four games to get two of them? I think that's your best hope because you look at that schedule and you're talking about the Clippers, which are playing very good basketball, even without Paul George. Portland, you're thinking that's your win, but it's still a difficult place to go play. That that press conference that, uh, that, that Lillard gave this week kind of made me think they're almost packing it in up there. Yeah, I think they are, but you can't ever take a team for granted. Sure. You know, last night, the Hornets, you would expect them to pack it in with that, you know, level of, of injury and, and absence, but they played hard until they were just too tired and too overmatched. So, I mean, you, they're going to give you a game and then you have a back-to-back against the best home team in the league, the defending champs. And then you go to Denver, which is one of the two or three toughest places to visit in the league. So, yeah, it's, it's if you can get two, that's that's huge, but you're, you're you're thinking it's probably going to be those first two, rather than those last two. Right, and if it doesn't go well in those first two, all of a sudden you can start kind of looking at this, going, "This is the, the math starts to get very very difficult if you don't handle business in those first two keys against uh, against the Clippers and then Portland on Monday." I mean, for the Pelicans, it's always stop people from getting to the rim so easily. 
if you're giving up a ton of points at the, in the paint and you're allowing teams to hit threes, then they're going to lose. And if they turn the basketball over and they've turned it over, um, you know, at times way too much. Uh, but you saw Brandon Ingram yesterday, no turnovers in his, in his game. If he can keep that up, because he's been one of the main culprits as far as turning the basketball over, uh, they're going to have to keep it around 12, 13 turnovers a game on this road trip. And then, like I said, uh, protect the paint a lot better. Um, but these are all teams that they're going to face. They can shoot the ball from deep and have really good uh, top players, you know, in Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry. Uh, so there are a lot of really talented players on this road trip. So I think the Pelicans, that's going to be the, the key for them the entire uh, trip. Independent of when Zion's going to come back or when he's not going to come back or whatever, what do you make of the fact that every time the Pelicans give an update on Zion Williamson, it's woefully short of what the actual absence is going to be? I think it's, it, it does no service to Zion Williamson. Yeah. I'd agree with that. You know, either, you know, just, I think it doesn't help anybody in this situation, but especially Zion, uh, because it reflects on him more than anyone. The question is always why, why isn't he coming back? And we never hear from Zion, so I don't know why that barrier still exists. Um, if it's if it's that personal, I get it. You, we're not obligated to know the ins and outs, but he's been remarkably quiet over the course of all of this, and uh, we just don't get a lot of information. So I was surprised to hear Willie Green say, you know, don't be surprised if he comes back to the court immediately once it's cleared. I wouldn't have even gotten into that because I, I don't. I wouldn't want to be in the speculating about when Zion is going to return business. And for me, the, if I'm a player or coach in that organization, you have to act as if he's not coming back anytime soon. So if he is cleared and ready to go with two games left in the season, is is it worth it to put him out there at that point? I think it depends on, for the Pelicans, um, I think it depends on where they are with two games to go. If they can still get into the postseason and feel like they have a chance, they're going to put him on the floor. And that's, you know, I... I I'm worried about the risks like everybody else would be is, is it worth it to go into the playoffs where you know you're not going to win a championship to risk him not being ready for the start of next season when everyone's job in this organization is going to be on the line next year? David Griffin, Willie Green, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, they're all, every player is going to be in, on the line if they underachieve next season. So I think it's a lot of pressure to put on this playoff series and him coming back. Um, to, to, it doesn't seem worth it to me, but I imagine the organization, if he's cleared to go, they're going to put him on the floor. What would you do if he was cleared to go if, and, they, and they let you make the decision? To me, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I, I just, it, it, with his history, you can't give me a value assessment that says the risk of him doing this now is going to hurt us more now than it will in the long term. I think the benefits just aren't there. Do you believe if he comes back having not played for three months, three and a half months, four months, whatever it is at that point, and there's two games left to go in the season, does he make them a markedly better basketball team when you insert him in there having not played for three months? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
No, I don't think he would in those first two games. Because I think you have, people have to remember his last eight games before he got hurt, the Pelicans were two and six. So there was a problem even then. So you're asking a guy to come back and relearn his place with the two most intense games of the season with the entire season potentially on the line and people looking at him. If he fails in that situation, what does that mean for his relationship with the Pelicans, the fans' relationship with Zion? All of those things start becoming a conversational topic for the offseason. And I don't think that's a drama you'd want to invite. Man, it's just so weird to be having these conversations after what we were talking about around Christmas, but it can uh, it can change course very, very quickly. David, we appreciate your time. Have a great weekend, man. You do the same. Thanks so much. He is David Grubb, Hard in the Paint podcast. Always appreciate his insights on uh, on the Pels. I, I'm kind of with him on the Zion deal. If you're telling me he can come back and play in two basketball games with his track record of, of injuries, where this team is and where you think they could possibly go, I, I just don't understand the value of it and it's tough this is a thing I always talk about with like college athletes is like if a guy's healthy and ready to go and you're playing a non-conference game that doesn't matter really in football you're going to win it by 50 and you tell them they can't play it's like man these guys wake up at four in the morning and go run wind sprints all August and and they go through classes and then film work and practice and all this kind of stuff and they're ready to play and there's a game and there's only a couple of them and you're like I just we don't want you to play that's a hard conversation to have. Now, when you move it up to multi-million dollar athletes, you know, it changes a little bit, but, you know, Zion wants to play and he's available to play. It's tough to tell him, hey, man, you got to sit. But for the best betterment of the organization, I don't think there's any question that you just got to minimize risk wherever you can with Zion. The reward of him playing in two games, you can maybe get in the play-in game and probably lose that. I don't know that that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm just kind of right there with him. We'll see what the Pels can do on this road swing. It's going to be, it's certainly going to be a tough one. They're at LA on Saturday night um, to play the Clippers at Portland on Monday, then down to Golden State on Tuesday, and they'll finish things up at Denver on Thursday before they come home for four, and their last game will be at Minnesota on the 9th of April. Um, they've won three in a row against bad basketball teams. That uh, bad basketball team's bit stops as they play on Saturday against the Clippers, who are pretty, pretty, pretty good. Our Friday show is brought to you by Corks, Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Swing on by government between Foster and Jefferson. Get some late lunch on this Lenten Friday or swing by and get some dinner. It is fantastic over there at Corks. Check out the menu, corksfishandshrimp.com. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Notice something about all these workouts that, uh, the, that the quarterbacks are going through at Pro Days and I'm going to give a few thoughts on that. That's next on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. This March, protect yourself against upsets with bracket parlay insurance on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, all customers can get up to $25 back every time your parlay of three legs or more falls one leg short. With a parlay, you can turn a small bet into a slam dunk. And with cash out, you're calling the shots. You close out your bet whenever you want to before the game is over. Just sign into your FanDuel Sportsbook account or go to FanDuel.com slash 104.5 ESPN to sign up today. That's FanDuel.com slash 104.5 ESPN. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Must be 21 and present in Louisiana. Bonus issued and all drawable bonus bet. Expires seven days after receipt. Max bonus best $25 per day unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. If you're somebody who has a gaming problem won't help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Wrapping up hour number one here. Um, ESPN can't help themselves. You got, you got the NCAA tournament in full swing. You've got the NBA regular season winding down. You've got so much great things going on in sports, and they are just slamming the NFL da- draft right into your brain all day, every day. Every time I turn on Get Up or anything in the morning or whatever, it's just NFL draft, NFL draft, NFL draft. And I look up right now at ESPN2, and I got Bryce Young's face right on the screen, and they're going through Pro Day stuff. I look up, and Todd McShay's at, at Pro Day for Will Levis today. And it's like, they, they will get you your NFL football, I promise you. Um, but one of the things I have noticed in taking that in for eight minutes every morning while I give Myers his bottle is that every time there's a pro day with one of these high-profile quarterbacks, there's one person in attendance. That person is David Tepper. A lot of you probably know who David Tepper is. Some of you may not know who David Tepper is. He owns the Panthers, and of course they have the first pick. So I'm looking at this from two different perspectives. One, which is what was said yesterday, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN said, David Tepper is going to make this pick. He's going to pick the quarterback that leads his franchise. That may be true. It may not be true. David Tepper may just be showing up to be a hands-on owner who wants to meet prospective employees of his club and going to let the GM decide what they want to do. If that's the case, this is phenomenal ownership. I think it's great that David Tepper and his wife are taking the time to meet all of these quarterbacks and want to you know, be involved with whoever who, and have a good relationship with whoever they're handing the keys to this offense to. If he's there to evaluate them, throwing footballs and looking at tape and to telling the general manager, hey, this is the quarterback. I think that's the guy you take. Then that's awful. I, I grew up really not paying attention to ownership whatsoever. And as I've grown up and and kind of done this now for a living and paid a little bit more attention and certainly dealing with the Cubs the way that I have over the last 20 years and specifically the Ricketts ownership over the last 12, um, it matters a lot. And I'm critical of owners who I think do the wrong thing. Now, there's a reason these guys and and women have, have ascended to this level of wealth and and it's this status. They're obviously bright people who know what they're doing. But as I find, it's often in their field. David Tepper's a hedge fund manager. I'd love him investing my dollars. I don't want him picking my quarterback. And in my opinion, if you're an owner, and you hire a head of football operations, general manager, you know, whatever that title is, they should do all that work. The owner should have no input in what quarterback is drafted. I don't need you going to pro day, watching them throw a few out routes and going, yep, I, I like that guy. We're going with we're going with Stroud. You tell the general manager. No. You know, the golden rule, who has the gold makes the rules. Sometimes it works that way. But I just, the thought of the hedge fund manager picking the quarterback drives me nuts. And it's, feels like David Tepper's very involved there. He, he, maybe he's not. Like I led the, with there. Like Maybe he's just there because he wants to take an interest. And it's a personal thing for him, not a football thing. And that would be great. I think that's wonderful. I think 
the the boss of any organization having a relationship with their employees is is a really important thing. Flynn Foster in these halls walks and says hey to everybody every day. And that's awesome. But from the football perspective side of things, like I just overstepping your boundaries to me makes no sense. And there's an ego portion to it. And there's a smartest guy in the room portion to it. And I just, when I heard Dan Orlovsky say that yesterday, I was like, surely not. Surely the guy that's been crunching numbers on Wall Street for years is not going down to pro day and evaluating Bryce Young's ability to hit the nine route. Like That cannot be what we're talking about here. But we'll see. But good ownership is really important. And uh, I, I think... People like David Tepper with as much money as they have and the ability to spend and invest resources and, and be involved the way that things are going up with the Mets with Steve Cohen, I think that's great until you start doing other people's jobs. That's that's the part where I'm just like, I just I can't handle that. I still haven't decided who I think the number one pick is going to be or who I think I would take. I think at this point, because we haven't really gotten into a lot of draft coverage, I think at this point I would lean towards myself selecting Bryce Young. It feels like the Panthers are leaning towards C.J. Stroud, but that's a lot can change over time. All we know is that uh, the Saints are going to have a brand new opponent as a quarterback next year, maybe Andy Dalton, but you figure the next guy is going to be in your lives for four or five years, maybe longer if it works out. So we shall see how that goes. It is fascinating, though, and I, uh, I salute the Panthers for giving up assets and going and make a play and, and get that first pick and, and try to push off the dock. It's just going to be an exciting deal. Uh, see what they do. But if the, if the owner's picking the quarterback, I think that's very, very dumb. We'll see. Our Friday show is brought to you by Corks, Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Their recipe for their batter, born right here in the seafood capital of the world, South Louisiana. If you're familiar with Kuyon's Barbecue, it's the same folks who give you Kuyon's Barbecue. They've started a new concept here in Baton Rouge. Quick service fried fish and shrimp. Delicious, delicious stuff. It's clean. It's not dirty and fishy. The catfish is, is crispy which you don't always get in a quick-service restaurant, and those Gulf shrimp are fantastic. Try out the uh, the baked potato. It is loaded with crawfish etouffee and beautiful fried Gulf shrimp. If you're looking for a Lenten meal, no meat involved, corks right there on government between Foster and Jefferson, a great spot, and they give you our Friday shows here on the Hunt Palmer Show. Uh, checking in uh, over at the box. Well, we're not going to check in over the box because it's commercial. I think that's probably a good thing because LSU – was on defense, but LSU struggling right now. It was one to nothing at last count. They were headed to the seventh inning. If you missed any of hour number one, you can catch it on demand, 1045ESPN.com's on demand tab. All our shows are right there. All the audio always uploaded every day. If you're more of a Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google, you can find all of our stuff there. Just search the Hunt Palmer Show. We'd appreciate it if you uh, like, subscribe, rate, or review. Open things up, talking about the Sweet 16 from last night, which was fantastic. I previewed tonight's games as well. David Grubb from Hard in the Paint Podcast, talking Pels. We come back after the break. We'll have some thoughts on the SEC baseball weekend to come. And Michael Cobble from WBRZ is going to join us on site with LSU women's basketball as they tip out two tip off two hours from right now. Come back with us after Sports Center on Palmer Show.